0: I do very very little in the way of preparation for this um I try to avoid um digging too deep but i I, I was di- I, I did sort of five minutes earlier but I ended up drifting off in into the pie wars videos <laughs> <I got laughs> very distracted <laughs> <laughs> watching some of them thinking oh wow <laughs> The the one that really got me was the um the chapu done one that looked like... Uh, Johnny Five from Short Circuit.
1: Oh, yeah. 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 That is a hell of a robot. <laughs> yeah.
0: <laughs> it is. Very heavy.
2: <laughs>
0: right. I, because, I mean, it It's it looked fantastic. It, it just, you know, it just looks so agile as it moved around. Uh, and I've only ever had one attempt at doing a robot in the past um, using the Cam Jam kit. Uh, interestingly enough and um, I was just cobbling bits together uh, to put some uh, mechanics into an old canine from Doctor Who. Oh (laughs) William. Yeah and unfortunately it just I I have very limited knowledge so it just really didn't get going for me but I I was looking at that thinking wow you know brilliant because it's amazing what people come up with really for these things and I just kept clicking on more and that was it and about 20 minutes later I thought okay I need to (laughs) I need to focus (laughs) now but um yeah so Mike Hornan and Tim Richardson uh thanks ever so much for joining the just a couple of jerks podcast and also in a special way that we're the first first time we've had a couple of guests on so thanks ever so much
1: thanks for inviting us yes no problem
0: it's great. So it's going to be interesting, as I say, we've not had a couple of guests on before. So I'm going to kind of fire out some things. We'll get chatted away and uh, get a feel for uh, how it works with, with having more than one person. And what so the the idea behind just a couple of jerks, if you don't know, is um, is that it's kind of normalising um, people in the community, just getting to know people beyond what uh, what what we kind of know from our Twitter. Um, you know, accounts and that sort of thing. And just to dig a bit deeper, find out about really how we got into IT and if we have kind of, you know, things that, you know, our uh, success stories and also where things have gone wrong for us and stuff like that. Um, But you guys have been, uh, so I kind of see you as a, as a little double act in a way. <laughs> um I don't know if that's right or not, but you, you, you've you kind of known each other for a while.
1: Yeah, we've known each known each other for about what is
2: it? Is it eight years now? About eight years, yeah. It wasn't uh, much before um, Mike started the Cambridge Jam uh, or restarted the Cambridge Jam. Um, I, I attended those as a as a friend and as a helper. Mike and I knew each other through church, um, but we hadn't really spoken much before that, and uh, discovered that we both got this. Interest in uh, raspberry pies.
0: Yeah, so it's it's kind of kick-started from that that sort of um, that little circuit board, effectively. Yeah. Um, and and Mike, were you were you um, had you set something up then, Mike? Was that how it all got going?
1: Yeah. So there'd been a couple of Cambridge raspberry jams, but um, when the pie first came out, but then it stopped, and I and I just thought it was ridiculous that there wasn't a jam in the place where the pie was devised uh, and developed and um I just thought well let's try and start it up again so I, um, I found a venue and completely failed to visit it beforehand which was a major mistake because <laughs> I, I then couldn't find it um <laughs> <All> right <laughs> and the, the first the first jam I did was uh was about 30 people in one room um and then the next one was slightly bigger at a slightly different place, and then Tim came on board and then we started getting sort of 100 150 200 people turning up Wow
0: wow and uh, and Mike we we met at the uh, the Covent Garden jam oh that's uh, right yeah um, yeah so you know I kind of know numbers and how that's managed because I think there's about eighty people used to come to those so a couple of hundred that's
1: quite a an undertaking. Yeah, when you hit a couple of hundred, suddenly you've got a catering problem. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> lots of
2: problems, lots of problems, but um, yeah, they were quite successful,
0: very successful. And, and how many, how many kind of mentors did
1: you have in those um, sessions? Um, so we did a mixture of talks, so we had people just doing presentations and then we ran workshops and the workshops we tended to get one leader and then three or four helpers just to um, make sure there was enough people helping that people didn't get lost. Yeah,
0: yeah it's it, it, it's it's an exhausting but um, fulfilling undertaking, isn't it?
2: Yes, definitely is.
0: I mean, you. Could, I don't know how you you were at the end of the day, but I was always shattered. And oh um, yeah, yeah,
2: because
0: <laughs> yeah. it's it's not just um, mentoring; it's the the physical aspect, isn't it? Of setting it all up, shifting the kit around the desks, the table, the the chairs, everything, isn't
1: it? Oh yes, yeah. We ended up buying these foldable tables just so that we had enough tables to go around.
0: Yeah. Uh, but looking them around, and then um, you know, at the end, it's like, okay, you, you've, everyone's gone. It's suddenly quiet, but you can't you can't hang around, can you? have got to start putting everything away, packing up. People are arriving with massive suitcases full of stuff. And, <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. So, how how long? You know, were they a few hours long? Were they each of those?
1: I think we did about was it ten thirty to about four o'clock,
2: something oh, wow. like that. Yeah, so it was um, sort of about um, five or six hours. Um, Lots of talks in that time, as well as um, having the workshops going on. And we also introduced the idea of having vendors uh, along to the event because we felt the Raspberry Pi being fairly new. Um, People, a lot of people didn't know what to do with them. Um, And so we wanted to give them an opportunity to sort of expand their horizons of what they could. Could do by bringing people along who were able to sell them things.
0: Totally, yeah. And did they work well then? That sort of having that vendor opportunity.
2: Definitely, I think so. I think so. I think it made CamJam um, the 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 event it was uh, because of the mixture of uh, show and tell, vendors, talks, and workshops. The four different aspects of it kept everybody busy. Yeah,
0: and it, that, I think that was a similar concept at the pie parties, wasn't it? You had a mix of uh, sort of vendors and people doing show and tell things.
1: Yeah, and um, we we organised the first two um, for the foundation, and and they they liked what what CamJam was like. They just wanted something like that, but a lot bigger. Unfortunately, um, we we um, we ended up doing it at the Cambridge Computer Lab and um and that's kind of where we ended up with Pyre wars eventually as
2: well
0: yeah so is the, is, the, is the uh the, the cambridge jam still going then
2: it is um, but mike and i um, no longer uh, head that up we uh, we do we do we've been doing cam jam since uh, 2013 isn't it mike yeah that's right yeah and uh, so that's that's sort of 6 7 years Plus doing the pie party, plus doing pie wars, plus doing the cam jam educates, Um, (laughs) and having our own families, Um, it it, it got to a stage that we thought, okay, um, do with a bit of a rest. We could also we also needed new blood, and um, we're very fortunate that um, one of the guys we uh, who, who looked after the venue the Cambridge um, Institute of Astronomy. Um, he he became a good friend of ours and now he's uh, looking after the venue for the second, the, the place that CamJam is now, and has got friends and other characters that we've met organising these events who have kindly uh, taken over that side of it.
1: We go along and help and support them in any way we can. And it's really nice to sort of see it being picked up again.
0: Yeah, it's one of those things, isn't it, where, you know, it, it's great doing it, but it, it does take up a lot of time. So it's it's balancing that out. And, you know, seven years is is a long time to be doing it. And I know that um, the Covent Garden Jam was a couple of years, it uh, seemed like longer. Yeah. Um, But, you know, times change and, 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 you know, we had to get people in to help and assist with organising uh brian uh, i think who you probably know quite well um assisted with that and nick nick hughes uh, as well got involved there with 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 frank um but finding the venues tricky isn't it that's that's always hard work so initially you had a venue you couldn't find it um was was it something that you could get hold of easily
1: uh the first one was the I think it was the Institute of mathematical sciences was the first one yeah um, and that came out of just having contact with somebody who happened to work there um and he sort of said, you know I hear you want to start the jam up again how about doing it where I work so so that that was handy um and then the second venue was again was somebody who came to the first one um and then the Institute of astronomy, we knew we needed something bigger and um Andy Beatty suggested um it and we visited it and thought this is ideal
0: yeah yeah that's that's great I mean it it seemed to be in London because I was looking at one point for code club venues Mm. um that always seemed tricky to find somewhere that that that, that was willing to do it and I know so I I live in a similar area to Femi's mum Grace and um She managed to set up a South London jam, but she said the hardest thing for her was finding a venue, finding someone that understood what it was about, because you couldn't be paying for these things because you didn't have the money to pay for them. It was all voluntary. Um, So, you know, it's interesting that you managed to to get somewhere like that, because um, that seemed to be a very hard hard sell at times i mean i tried at, uh, at the venue that that grace actually got in the end and they were like right okay it's so much per hour and <laughs> this sort of thing it was like
1: um yeah that's not going to happen really yeah you sort of got from the maze they say that and you think yeah no <laughs> yeah exactly exactly um so
0: you did the cam jam kit as well so th- there's a few kits can you tell me about
2: those well um yeah the first jam that mike and i did the way we had workshops um we put together i ordered um a load of load of parts from from aliexpress and uh spent a few nights before the event putting them all into bags and um, we sold them to the people who were doing the courses uh, at the event for pretty much what they cost um one of the vendors we had there um jamie from the pie hut uh, suggested that he actually um, get them put together and, and sell them. Um, we had the worksheets uh, uh, sort of written. They were they were cobbled together from all sorts of uh, material from all sorts of places. Um, so uh, yeah, we, we looked into it, looked into the costing of it and thought, well, we needed some funding to run the event. Uh, despite the venue being free it's it's there's a there are quite a few expenses to to run the thing uh, to buy the kit um, that uh, uh, we could we could use at the events and um, so we thought yeah let's let's try we thought we'd maybe sell I don't know 10 or 15 was it Mike
1: yeah my, my estimates were a bit out but it reminded me of doing estimates at work <laughs> <laughs> and
2: a few thousand kits later um, oh, wow yeah <laughs>
0: slightly off then
2: <laughs> yes <laughs> just a bit but um yeah the first kit was really quite basic and uh, this was the early days of uh, the raspberry pi we wanted to give people a way uh, uh, Just just initial learning um, of how to how to connect things up to the raspberry pi which uh If they hadn't had the GPIO uh, pins, which allegedly they weren't going to have at first, if they hadn't got those, then I don't think the Pi would have been anywhere near as successful as it It is. is. Uh, Physical computing, when you see um, someone light up an LED for the first time, uh, their their face lights up. They've, they've, They've... controlled something in the real world that they've made they've put together
0: well th- this is it this is exactly it. i was when i was chatting with les pounder um i was talking about how as a kid i'm um, so my dad was an le- electrical engineer i just didn't understand electronics at all and, and ele- electrical circuits and then he used to try and help me out and i'd be like it makes no sense to me this but then when i started playing with the raspberry pi i was like okay let's try this And lighten up that first LED light, I was like, I can do it. I understand what this resistor symbol means now. You know, simple
2: things. Yeah, my dad was an electrical engineer as well. And again, I had no idea about electronics. In fact, I didn't know anything about electronics while I was writing the worksheets. Um, I had to teach myself to write the worksheets. Uh, Yes, I did crib off quite a few other people. The way I wrote it was... I needed to explain it to myself. If I could explain it to myself, if it could make sense, uh, then hopefully it would have made sense to uh, the users.
1: And of course, that was ideal for me when it came to when it came to reading them and testing them and proofreading them. It was a case of right. Let's start from first principles and assume that you know as little as you actually do. Yes. <laughs> yes. <Yeah. laughs> Keep it simple. Yeah.
0: And, 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 and you know, I kind of call them uh, idiot guides and that's that's terrible really. But, you know, those sort of things where it's step by step, keep it simple, explain absolutely everything, because there's nothing worse than a little step where it, it, it misses something uh, or it's not explained well. And and that throws you, doesn't it? And that's like, I
1: can't now do this.
2: Yeah, yeah,
1: absolutely. And one of the important things that, we, that I know Tim wanted to get across in the worksheets is you're doing this. But why are you doing this and how are you doing this? And I think a lot of the trouble with some of the worksheets that other people do, they they show you how to light up an LED, but they don't really explain why you need that resistor and and why you connect it to that pin, but not that one, and why you don't connect those two pins together, ever. (laughs) Yes,
0: yes. (laughs) I mean, this this goes back to that conversation with my dad. Why do I need the resistor? You know, I have no idea. And then finally with the LEDs, I mean, I kind of knew afterwards, but, you know, it kind of it all it all fits together in, in a simple way. And then you can start to expand that, can't you, with, with other ideas. And that's where the, you know, the classic traffic lights yeah. um, test comes in and things like that. And, and and we were doing, I was doing this at a school in Brixton as part of the co-club uh, and, and trying this out. And they, they just loved it absolutely you know it's that like you say it's that pleasure on on their faces when they do this for the first time and they have that
1: control i can remember one of the initial workshops that we we ran and and me and tim were actually in the room for some reason i think we were short of help helpers for a change and it was i think it was think we were using the Pybrella add-on board which was but it's basically three lights and a button and a bit and a buzzer which is basically what the educate is and I remember distinctly somebody doing the first light and then suddenly they went off script and they didn't follow the worksheet at all and they had a fantastic time and they came out grinning and I remember thinking that's what we want we actually want people to think outside of what they've been told to do and just experiment with the thing
2: yeah 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 they saw that in so many uh, uh of the workshops where they got the initial bits um and and weren't too worried about doing the rest of the worksheets. They 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 had the basics and they just wanted to do their own thing, which is perfect, absolutely perfect. What exactly what we wanted.
0: Yeah, start to play, start to start to push it a bit more and see what you can do with it. Yeah, yeah, brilliant. So so you were you, were you kind of like you know when you you're selling uh, you know a thousand of these kits, you're like oh wow, um, that that was unexpected.
1: Yeah. <laughs>
2: <laughs> it was
0: and, uh, uh, Is it a case of right, okay, what can we do now?
2: Um, well in, in when we did set up the first workshops we actually had the basics of uh, the second edge kit um, in, in those workshops, so they were the, the motion sensors and, and mm. things like that um, but uh, yeah, the basic kit's great, but we wanted to do take it the next step further um, and, uh, and and get them really, not just lighting LEDs, making a buzzer, but actually getting input into the Pi that wasn't just a button. So um, we we looked at what sensors there were out there, uh, looked at what prices we could get them from uh, for and, um, and put a kit together with that.
1: Mm.
0: And then I suppose that just kind of builds up then into the third kit, which is the robot kit, isn't it?
1: Yeah, again, it it, robotics has been it's been the cool thing to do with the Raspberry Pi from from the very beginning, and um, we just thought there's not really a a basic kit where it's a bit it's a bit Heath Robinson in what you end up with, but there's there's nothing to bring everything together and to develop those skills.
0: Yeah, what I loved about that kit is that you used every part of it, didn't you? Yeah, it's not just the the, um, the innards, the the mechanical bits, and the, the it's the box as well. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, <laughs> that's that's the body of the of, of the robot, isn't it? It's brilliant.
2: Yeah, I mean, it's it, that was done for um, done on purpose because we didn't. Uh, there were there were other kits available that had Perspex um, chassis that you screwed the 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 motors to and things like that. And they all turn out looking exactly the same. Um, What we wanted and and we actually spoke to um, people at the foundation about this um, in their education uh, department and uh, and said, look, we want to do this. uh, This this sort of kit. Can we have your ideas? What what do you like um, about these ideas? Do we do a chassis? What sort of thing? They said no. Don't do it. Don't do a chassis, because um, that will make each robot re- uh, fairly unique. Yes, the box was rather useful to 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 um, to build a chassis out of, but we had people building them out of Crocs, um, <laughs> and it's just basically that one. <laughs> hold and that would actually uh, bring in so much uh, bring the steam into stem bring the art into the the electronics and the programming uh, which it, it all goes together it's all creative um even the programming is uh, in my mind cre- can be creative um so yeah why not um get them to 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 come up with something totally different for the chassis
0: absolutely and yeah i mean that's the thing i mean like i say i ended up shoving it into a canine dog uh, and giving that a go and um you know there's a bit of footage of it working briefly (laughs) but um
2: i have one sitting up next near me waiting to be uh, for that to happen because uh, it broke and i need to fix it with a raspberry pi and uh, an EduKit. I just haven't got
0: around to it yet <laughs> it's, it's it's the perfect uh opportunity isn't it yeah and um you know uh, you know it, it's hours of enjoyment really and that's what that's what i love about it and um, i mean my programming skills are hit and miss so python wise i was kind of playing and dabbling um did i have did i use a controller to i think i must have used some kind of controller uh, maybe not. Maybe I was using cursor keys on the keyboard. I can't remember now. But it, it's great fun. Uh, was that was that the last kit that was produced then?
1: Yeah, we we have got a, an idea for another one, which is a bit more to do with more sensory than it is robotics. um But we just haven't had time to to do it yet.
0: Yes, time time. That's that's always a tricky one, isn't it? Yeah. <laughs>
1: Um, And we we did go through um, a a redesign of the motor controller board for the Edukit 3, um, because the original one was done by Gareth over at Fortronics.
0: Okay, and what would that involve then?
1: Oh, it it involved... um, Jamie had somebody working for him, Rachel, who could design circuits, so she designed something that was similar but was slightly improved. So thinking
0: about robots now. So as we mentioned earlier, um, you guys uh, are involved in Pi Wars. So is Pi Wars your 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 idea together? Is it something that you came up with, or is that something that you've that you've taken on board, like like the um, the Raspberry Jams, or, or was it devised by yourselves?
1: <laughs> the, the story goes that we were at a Raspberry Jam um, one day and. Um, it, was, it was a cam jam, and and Tim just came. I just happened to say in passing, "Are you a fan of BBC's Robot Wars?" And I I said, "Yeah, I've watched it since the second season." And he said, "And he said, how about we do something like that, but with the Raspberry Pi?" And we sort of worked it through, and sort of said, "Right, we don't want it to be destructive because we we want kids to get involved, and the last thing you want is a robot destroying itself in the first challenge." And tears all round, you know, (laughs) (laughs) including from the organisers. So we came up with this idea of a non-destructive challenge-based one that was more like the first series of Robot Wars um, rather than the later ones where where the the first one, they had obstacles and that kind of thing.
0: Rather than just full-on war. Yeah, yeah. So how, how long have you been doing those for then? First one was
2: 2014. Yeah yeah december 2014
0: and it's been a, it's been an annual thing as it since then
2: mm, sort of <laughs> yeah, more <laughs> or less
1: um, we did a cup we did a couple in december and then we realized that actually we were getting fewer schools interested than we than we wanted and we asked around and said what would be the best time for schools and they said Mar- late march early april because
2: then you miss all the exams but watch out for easter yeah, we, were the, we weren't getting, as Mike says, weren't getting the schools that we wanted because that was the, the focus of what we really wanted to do was to, to get the kids involved. Um, and um, the, uh, yes, we, we, we moved the date to April, so we had about 18 months between or 13 months between uh, um, them, a couple of them, and it work, has worked out really well um it's so successful that we actually had to go from one day to two days
0: right okay and so the actual events then so what how much organization does that take (laughs) a lot
1: (laughs) (laughs) yeah we we
0: were gonna say nothing we just sort of rock up on the day yeah
1: um no it, it sort of starts in you know um sort of july august time when we we start coming up with challenges for the the next competition and then you have, you have to get in august you have to get the momentum flowing um and then it's october when they apply so it's kind of an all all year round thing with a few months off just to take stock um
2: yeah, august or september they apply mike i
1: th- i thought it was oh, i think it's moved around it's moved around <laughs> um but um yeah we we have meetings once a week which may involve beer <laughs> why not and um and apart from that it's a, a lot of um organization of course building and logistics so the so, okay
0: so the, this wow this this takes a while to to uh, to achieve um and and you've moved it to, so you have two days because of numbers that are
1: applying for it or yeah we were getting 150 people apply to bit to enter <laughs> Wow, (laughs) 150 teams, Um, and and it was a case of, well, we we can't really knock 150 down to 36 at the time. So, and then we thought we we can just about fit 38 in, Um, but then we just realised it's it's got to go to two days. So, how many people are are allowed to take part then in total? It's uh, two two lots of 38, so it's 76 teams. Um, but the teams range from one person on their own to school teams, which can be sort of 24, 24 people sometimes. Wow. it's
0: a lot of people in, in a building at once then. yeah. Oh yes. <laughs> <laughs> so, yeah. So, so even that, this goes back to that, that, that what you mentioned with the, with the, uh, the jams, uh, catering, you've got to sort all that out, I suppose, as well as the events. Um, it's a whole thing. Uh, Massive undertaking, really. So is it just yourselves that organise it, or do you get other people involved as well?
2: Up until um, year five, which was uh, 2019, um, it was just the two of us um, doing the the actual organising of it um, until it got to the day where we had volunteers, marshals, judges, um, uh, helpers, etc., in 2015, we uh, <laughs> I decided that I it, it, I'd would t- spent pretty much uh, every night for about three or four months building courses in year five. Oh, it was
1: 2019, wasn't it? 2019,
2: yeah, yeah, yeah. And um, I it, it just exhausted me, absolutely exhausted me. Plus, I was writing the app to actually do the score sheet, um, and Mike and I discussed it before the event and we were going to announce that um that we were going to take a, a break for a year um then <laughs> uh unbeknownst to us they uh, uh, a load of the uh uh people taking part in the event got together built us a couple of trophies and gave us uh, some vouchers and uh, uh, and pictures and uh uh, stuff to to say, well, thank you for for organising it, and um, they didn't want it to end. <laughs> so uh, we had so many volunteers that year saying, "Yep, yeah, we'll build courses. If if you can't do it yourself, we'll build courses. We'll build courses. Uh, we'll help run the event." And um, so that's what we were planning to do for uh, twenty twenty, uh, the disaster zone event.
0: Yes. How
1: appropriate.
0: Yes. So so it's had to change this year, obviously.
2: Yes. Um, For obvious reasons, uh, a few weeks before the event, things were looking a little uh, ropey. Uh, We had, because we've got a lot of international teams, we we had to make a decision to uh, postpone it. We didn't know whether it'd be for a few weeks, a few months, um, or what. But we felt it was right at the time, and uh, turned out it be absolutely right uh, to to postpone it. Totally,
0: yeah, absolutely. Um, so you're saying international entries? Would that have been the case for the physical events as well? Then.
1: Oh yeah, yeah. Um, we we have um quite a few applications from overseas. Um, so I think I think the most um, I think we had was it something like five from Nigeria this this year. Um teams, yeah. One from South Korea, which was my favourite. Um, (laughs) um, one from India, and we have a team who come over from the States um for a few they come over for a few years now. Um yeah, we've we've had teams from Europe, Africa, Asia. It's been it's been a big thing. China. Oh China, yeah. Um,
2: France, Germany, Norway, um, Ireland. Uh, oh, we had,
1: we had a Mal- Malaysian team last year, which was really good.
2: Yeah, yeah. So uh, basically, somehow they've got to know it all around the world. <laughs>
0: yeah, yeah. Such such is the power of the net, isn't it, really? It's... Yeah.
2: Tell them about Turkey.
1: Oh, yeah, Turkey. Um, So a Turkish team came, uh, I think it was to the 2018 event, um, and they came again to 2019. And they asked us if we would mind them running a Pie Wars Turkey. Okay. Um, so they did. Um, they, they got their event um, done this year just before COVID hit.
0: And were you, were you invited over? or? Um...
1: We weren't, but I think we could have gone over if we wanted to. <laughs> right. <laughs> um, but um, they, they sort of sent us, sent us updates and pictures and that kind of thing. And, um, and it looked like it was a great success.
2: It's a slightly different event from our Pi Wars, from the UK Pi Wars, in the fact that um, they the, the teams are given a kit to build their robot from. Okay. And they have lessons and things like that, and um, it's actually school kids, uh, college kids who are running the event.
0: That's pretty cool. Yes,
2: very very cool. Um,
0: so, so what so what kind of ages from then?
1: i think they're sort of late late teens to 18
2: yeah
0: and and so they've organised it and 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 competed as well as it's, it's brilliant i mean it's it's going to become a global thing over time isn't it you go they get this well it is global already with the uh, the entrance when i saw the the virtual pie wars and i saw you know the different nationalities there i thought oh okay this will be because they can submit from anywhere in the globe to this virtual event. But no, yeah. it's um you get that anywhere. they're coming all over and visiting. Which
1: is yeah, fantastic. they fly over it so it's amazing. There's um the the um the team from America are uh, from the New Mexico Community College. I think that's what I think that's what it's called. Yeah, and absolutely. and they are they're from um disadvantaged backgrounds and they raise their own money to build the robot but then they raise their own money to uh, for the flights and that kind of thing it's 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 amazing that kerry the guy who um sort of shepherds them through it and leads the, leads the team but he, he leads the team but he lets them get on with the robot building he sort of just shepherds them through it and he's he's absolutely inspirational guy
2: yes absolutely and so are the kids uh the the, the young adults who are competing um in that team they've um they 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 i'm i'm just amazed at them um way they they're pushing their education forward uh themselves um they are part that part of the country they come from it's actually a poor part of the poor state um so they they basically have nothing um but they they do this event and they have amazing really amazing they they well deserve to get Good jobs at places like Microsoft and Google and Facebook and that sort of thing because of their their attitude, their ability. Lovely people.
0: The ability thing is amazing, isn't it? So, for anyone who isn't aware of what Pi Wars is, the format itself what what happens over the over the course of the day?
1: Then, um, so they first of all they apply to enter, and then we um, select the teams, and then they get about five to six months to build. Um, on the day they arrive, they sign in, and they get given a, a, a pit room, a workroom, to be based out of for the day. And then there's seven challenges over the day. Um, there's sort of 6 obstaclely obstacly-types, robotic skills-type challenges. And then there's Pi Noon, which is about
2: bursting balloons on the other robot's back. They know about the challenges before the event, or most of them. Um, yeah. Depending on the course, we give them a certain amount of detail. The obstacle course, we always keep quite secret. Um, some of the challenges, yeah, we don't tell them much. We give them some hints about what it's going to be like. Um, but others, we give them full details because um, as the years have gone by, the, the courses are actually getting more and more challenging. Each year we discover that actually they can achieve more than we thought they would, um, just from our um, own sort of uh, guessings of how people would compete at things. Um, the, the famous one was uh, the first year we had Skittles. We thought um, <laughs> the robots would drive into the ball and push it towards the skittles and hopefully knock one or two over <laughs> little did we know uh, hitch and hackspace they uh, built this contraption that um, spun up wheels um, and projected the ball at about 70 miles an hour towards the skittles <laughs> um, they were spinning so the wheels were spinning so fast they had put cut- wow. cut- flour uh, a string around the wheels to stop the rubber from flying apart yes that, that, was,
1: that, was, that was the year we we set the course up and they they looked at it and it was it was in front of a window for a, you know a bit of light and the, and they said to us you haven't got anything behind the course don't you think that would be a good idea <laughs> and suddenly you heard this this death hum as, this, as the flywheels span up, and we were at the front desk, and he was like, what the heck is that?
2: <laughs> so that was our introduction to um, how um, ingenious our uh, uh, competitors, competitors were going to be, and every year they get better and better and better, as you, you probably saw in the videos from uh, Virtual Pie Wars. Uh, they are just, uh, yeah getting stupidly difficult <laughs>
1: <laughs> what's, what's been really nice actually is that Hitchin hackspace the people who built that machine um, we got to know them really well and, and one guy at dave booth lives quite close to us and he's come on board this year as a, as a as a sort of third third organizer
2: so yes we have expanded
0: um well you need to it sounds i mean you know two two of you to organize this huge event um every year it's it it takes up time as you say um uh, uh, how so, so you changed changed the event to virtual this year and how, how did that change in how it was run so you, people submitted them um, the youtube videos were they doing uh the robots doing the similar sort of things and you had to kind of judge it based on what they were doing in the video
2: yeah no, it, it it wasn't uh, they weren't competing on courses because uh, Pi Wars was was cancelled fairly late, um, most robotiers had had finished their robots, and um, we didn't want all that work to go to waste. We didn't know what uh, when the next event was going to be, but uh, so we thought, um, just to keep some some momentum in the event, we would have a sort of a show and tell um, of the robots, uh, people. Showing what it could do, or whatever, and as you saw, the 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 videos were some very amusing and very good videos of um, how they've gone about designing it, um, challenges they've had, lessons they've learned, that sort of thing. Uh, it it was sort of it is it was meant as a sort of bit of a stopgap, I suppose.
0: And and I suppose it's an unknown, really, for next year, is it at the moment?
1: We're in um, preliminary talks with the venue and um, we don't quite know what's going to happen when at the moment. Because obviously, because ca- Cambridge University has announced that they're not having um, lectures in person for at least the first term. Oh, yes. yes. So it's, it's, a, it's a question of will the university be ready for us in March or do we need to push it? It's, it's all up in the air at the moment.
0: Yep, it's a complete unknown, isn't it? And that's that goes with everything that we're doing at the moment. Um, how how is how is lockdown affecting yourselves then? Regards to you know, we kind of going outside the Raspberry Pi community now, just in you know your day to day lives. You know, regards your work and and, and and sort of getting out and about. How how are you all coping with it?
2: It's it is hard. Um, I am working full time. Um, in fact, we had a uh, a release that was meant to go out uh, basically as lockdown started. Uh, that was delayed because of various issues, um, one of which was that everybody, the, the whole company of about 50,000 of us, um, they, they had to get us all working from home within a matter of days, uh, which they succeeded in doing amazingly and they've done absolutely brilliantly. Um, but yeah, it, it, it it's not easy um, working at home, not seeing people. I mean, I'm I'm a complete introvert. If I don't see anybody for weeks on end, I'm, I'm usually okay. But um, with the issues going on with the, with COVID, yes, I can I can cope with that. But with um, an excuse, some politics coming in here um, with. The one rule for for them, one rule for us, the lying, the cheating, the et cetera going on. And also the um, uh, issue with George Floyd, um, that really affected me. Um, just just the unfairness of it all on top of the unfairness of, of um, Cummings and et cetera. It, it that got to me a couple of weeks back. Um, been okay before that, but it, it's it's.
0: The, I think it's the sacrifices that everyone has made, isn't it? And like you say, kind of the one rule for one and another rule for another.
2: All of us have made, but they're the ones who are making decisions. Just break it, and think it's fine to to. Um, to, to to drive when you can't see or try and drive when you can't see and, and go to your second home when everybody's told not to go to a second home. That sort of thing. It's it's infuriating. Oh,
0: totally. It puts everyone in that frame of mind of uh, okay, I'll just go and do this and that. And then this then then we start to potentially escalate something that we've been controlling or attempting to control for mm. the last few months. Yes.
2: Yeah. Yeah. Now I do know that um, a vast majority of people are still going to um, isolate. They're still going to, to keep away from others, but there are uh, there are going to be a lot of people, and I do see them who just think, "Ah, oh, be it, and um, just go out, carry on as though nothing's happened," um, which risks us all.
1: Yeah, and I think. You know, for, for myself, I, uh, I think I said to somebody the other day, I, I alternate between loving working from home all the time and hating every minute of it. Um, <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> um, and it, it's and it's hard when you when you think to yourself, okay, I'm following the rules, and even allowing for the, you know the, the famous word unprecedented, even though it's unprecedented times, it. You sort of cringe whenever you hear of a decision or or something that doesn't seem quite right, and and suddenly you think, who's at the helm? Do I really trust them? And then when when as soon as they start to lose trust, it's all over. Um, but hopefully, people will still do what's right. I think
0: from the, the people I'm talking to seem to be doing that, um, but it's the you know. It's when you see pictures of these packed beaches, and uh, you know, the 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 you know the Dorset incident a couple of weeks back, and you think, okay, this is gonna this is gonna be a second wave, and uh, you know, listening to interviews, I I, I heard um, I've, is it Dr. Hillary Jones on Good Morning Britain mm-hmm. saying about um. And that's not something I normally watch. I was just look, listening to clips on Twitter um, talking about, um, you know, the NHS are, or the doctors are prepping for wave two. Um, and, and You know, it's going to come, but you just don't want it to come in huge numbers, really. That's that's why we've given up so much over the last few months, isn't it, really? To, to help other people as well as ourselves.
2: Yeah, and then it gets ruined by a... Um a selfish idiot at the top. Yes, yes.
1: I think everybody, when they first heard, I think it was Boris Johnson said, you know, we're trying to keep it to 20,000, and you think, that's a lot of people, and then suddenly we're at twice that, and you think, that was a really, really bad idea to say that. (laughs)
2: Yes. (laughs) And the fact that we've been above the whole of Europe together, um, and we're starting easing, it's
0: yeah. It's scary isn't it really? It is scary when you think like...
2: the people at the top know what they're doing. The, the people in charge it doesn't seem so does it Not at all. That's my politics coming in.
0: Sorry. <laughs> <laughs> no, no, absolutely. It's it's good to know. I mean, we we've chatted on the podcast with different people in different countries to get a feel for how they've had to lock down, and I know how we've had to lock down here. So it was interesting to see how you're coping with it. Um, and and um, so Mike and Tim, what what are your jobs then uh, on a day
1: to day? Um, I'm a software developer. Um, I do web, web developing with um, Cold Fusion of all things, and, um, and SQL,
2: um, and I work for an educational charity. Um, I'm a performance architect. I uh, test software systems, performance test software systems, uh, to see that they can cope with the uh, expected load that um, is put on them, which... Uh, for us it is many hundreds of thousands um, in America. And um, when updates are made to the software, we have to ensure that it c- will continue to to function uh, correctly. Less functional testing, more performance testing for, of uh, um, everything put together, because the developers develop everything in uh, independently. Yes, they do do functional tests, but it's only when you actually get all of them running at the same time, you find where things clash find where things don't work together
0: okay so what i what i tend to do in in the podcast i always ask people about when they were growing up I, I like to get a feel for what you know was this the path that they were expected you know it was it their thing so when you were growing up you know what
1: what were you wanting to do um i was i was a very this sounds awful i was a very lonely child by but it was intentional um, I, I like my computers, I like my games, but not so much addicted to them as wanting to know how they worked. Um, and then I w- um, that continued through school, and I eventually ended up going to university and studying computer science. Um, so it's, it's sort of been a, a one-track thing for me, but um, because the technology's changed so much, you, you honestly can't see coming what you end up doing yes yeah
0: so computer science i mean what, what what were you sort of doing with that uh the, the programming aspect was it kind of fortran and things like that was it
1: um it was pascal oh, pascal yeah and yeah. Um, absolute monster of a language called minerva which was a functional programming language i think i've um, heard of that it's horrible <laughs> <Wouldn't> <laughs> well, wish pascal it on my was one, i wouldn't wish it on my worst enemy um and my third year project ended up being in java java 1.0 oh wow
0: <laughs> yeah pascal i had a little dabble with at you at university as well and i just did not i, I couldn't it's, i wasn't there to do a computer science degree i was doing like a business studies thing that had computing thrown into it mm. and um I, I couldn't grasp it it wasn't for me um it was only because I'm a Windows guy, so when 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 I could finally drag things around and click things, I kind of understood it a bit more than uh, than sort of command line interface. Unfortunately,
1: yeah, I actually come, coming coming out from the other point of view. Mine mine was mostly about two thirds, three quarters computer science, but with some business thrown in. Business was it was it worth it that that element? Um, yeah, I, I ended up. Um, I'm, I'm at the moment. I'm a developer, but the development team is under the marketing department, so I actually sort of understand that part of it, Um, and I actually quite enjoy learning learning a business and finding out how I can help to make it better.
0: So it was worthwhile in the end. Yeah. (laughs) How about yourself, Tim?
2: Um, I had not a clue when I started doing A-levels of what I wanted to do. Um, I originally thought I would be doing some sort of chemical research. Um, that was what I, chemistry was, was. What I was really interested in when I started A levels, um, I'd always dabbled with computers. Um, I, uh, I don't know. I just sort of understood them. I spent more time actually hacking games um, than I did actually playing the games, finding out how they worked and uh, um, adventure games, uh, downloading the code, debugging. Uh, uh, decompiling them and uh, uh, that sort of thing. Uh, but I, I, I had no 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 thoughts that I would actually uh, uh, get into computing. I was actively discouraged um, by my, my mother from doing it. She didn't want me to be a computer bore, she said. <laughs> um, but having started uh, A-levels, uh, I was doing four A-levels at the time. And um, I, I, it, I It was just too much um, time doing courses and stuff like that, uh, doing, doing my uh, work. So um, I decided eventually to um, give up the chemistry, carried on with the physics and did maths, um, further maths, S-level maths, step-level maths, um, step-level further maths, S-level maths, further maths, you, you know, get the idea. Um, mm. <laughs> <laughs> I then went to this university. was it <laughs> yeah, yeah, I then went to university to do mathematical engineering and uh, that was all sides of engineering mechanical um you name it, all sides of parts of engineering, but from a mathematical point of view, um bits I really enjoyed were the uh, uh the computing side and the modeling side, so. That's what I eventually went into. Got employed by BT, my first job. Um, Got into performance testing then, performance testing of telephone networks. Moved away for a while um, and eventually got back into performance testing uh, via a totally different route. And, um, yeah, that's... The bit I like about the job is the... um, when, when things don't perform, you've got to actually find out why they don't perform. So it's it's, it's solving a puzzle. I like solving puzzles. Um, and that's what I do with the Raspberry Pi is uh, I have ideas of what I want to do. And I have to solve a puzzle of how do I actually achieve this? Having very little knowledge about electronics. <laughs> Well, that's the beauty
0: of it, isn't it? Again, like we say, you know, it's not just programming; it's, it can be used as a desktop machine. It can be used, now got all the power it's getting with the, you know, version four. You can use it as an electronic device. All these various things so uh, versatile in what it can do, and it brings back this whole ethic of you know the bedroom coder, doesn't it? Which we, you know, we had in the eighties, which kind of disappeared over time.
1: Yeah, and I think that's kind of what we need to get back to. It we need to we need to have people who really want to do what they're doing. Um, there's not there's an awful lot of there's an awful lot these days of people ending up in professions that they didn't think they would, and not doing it very well sometimes. And whereas computing, you you need to be top of your game really to to be successful at it.
0: Going back to going back to the, the youth then and, and, and the bed. Let's talk about the bedroom code. You mentioned early computers. What what were your what were your fave computers back in the day?
2: <laughs> ZX Spectrum. Um, my first. You're computer, guy. Yeah. yeah. My first computer was a VIC twenty. I wanted a ZX Spectrum, but my parents bought me a VIC twenty because it had a proper <laughs> keyboard. <laughs> they didn't buy the tape player with it. So
0: Did they not? Oh, God.
2: You couldn't actually save How does that work, then? You just had to type it in every time. Oh, jeez. Uh, yeah, yeah. It took me a long time to persuade them. Um, I've still got it. It's in the loft. Um, then I went to an Atari ST. Preferred um, that to the Amiga.
0: Oh right, right. that's fighting talk. (laughs) I'm an an Amiga man.
2: (laughs) No, Amiga was a brilliant machine. I just, I just chose the Atari side for some reason. Um, Then I uh, got back into doing uh, more programming when I got the uh, Sign Five. I had a Sign Three and the Sign with the various uh, different ones before that. I have, a, uh, I, I have a very poor memory, part of being dyslexic, and um, I, I used all these machines for just to jot down notes for myself to remember things. Um, and I uh, uh, developed some software for the Side 5 and, and sold that. Um, had a little business going and eventually was uh, employed by them, uh, by uh, uh, Symbian, uh, for a little while. Sort of turned a bit of a hobby into um, uh, into a a job. Um, Now um, stuff I do at work's nothing to do really with what I do at home with the uh, with the pie. Um, It just supplements it. It makes makes life worth worthwhile.
0: (laughs) And Mike, what about yourself? What were your uh,
1: childhood memories? Yeah, yeah. um, Started out with the Dragon Thirty Two. Yay! which we, which we, which we purchased the day before the company went, went bust. So that was a win. Um, but I, my, I think my favorite one was probably the BBC master. Um, one, tw- the one with the extra keyboard on the side. Um, that was a fantastic machine. And then I moved up to a, an Archimedes a 3000 and I, I loved those machines. I, I, I actually really loved risk at, at the time that, that was a really good operating system. Um, um, now I'm a Windows guy. I, I, I can't use Riscos anymore, but, um, but yeah, I, I love the games on it. But I also love the opportunities of the music creation that you, app you could get for the Archimedes. That was brilliant. Um, it wasn't until I went to university that I actually got a four eight six PC. See, I, I wouldn't,
0: uh, I wouldn't see you as a, as a Windows guy, Mike. That's that's quite interesting that. Um... When you say a Windows guys, it just really it's the OS that's there
1: for you? I suppose. Yeah, it, it, it's the one that I happen to use. I mean, I, I did. I did my first job was on Unix, um, doing Infomix four GL, um, and so I, I sort of got an appreciation of the command line and that kind of thing. So when the Pi came along, it was oh, well, I'll, I'll go back to that and. Um, and the Pi's sort of it's taught me electronics, but it also taught me a bit of Python, and now I've come full circle on that because I'm writing bits of Python for work. Um, so that's been really useful.
0: And outside of computing, then, what's what 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 are your things that you do to kind of kick back and just uh, just chill? You know, what what other interests do you have?
2: Raspberry Pi.
0: Oh, the Pi is the thing, is it? <laughs> <laughs> so, Tim, I, I know you're a bit of a Star Trek fan, though. Yeah? Oh yeah, both
2: of us are. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Because
0: um, we, we got chatting the other day about the um the, the next gen, didn't we on on Twitter? Yes,
2: yes. Um, I, I always loved the original series. Um, obviously not when it was first on because I wasn't born but when it first came on. But um, I any sci-fi I was, I really was into when I was a kid, and um I loved the original series. It was just just something special. So, when, so, so what
0: when did you get into it then? R- roughly, you know.
2: Um, I must have been about ten, so that no earlier than that must have been because it was years before. Yeah, the first film came out in seventy nine, um, and I'd been watching it for many many years before that. So yeah, it must have been mid mid seventies. Right.
0: So I I, I I got into the original series in about eighty four. Um, I think the BBC had just started rerunning them. Oh, sorry, I say rerunning, that's American, isn't it? Repeating them, sorry. <laughs> Let's get it right. And um, and that was it for me. I, I'd seen it as a kid, you know, it seemed bits and bobs, I think probably with my dad. And um, just, just got into it then. So the original series was always um, the thing for me. And then all of a sudden, this, this other series was coming along. Um, and it was like, oh, oh, I'll give it a go. Not too sure about it. But, yeah. Um, it seemed to do quite well in the end.
2: Yeah, <laughs> it was good. I like I the next gen. Um, I've, since I've, uh, since I've been working from home, um, I've actually been watching um, the next gen series in, in spare minutes here and there. Uh, I've got to the end of all seven seasons. and um, Oh, you've got to the end. Oh, I crikey. Have, yeah, the first season was a little ropey in a few places. By the time we got to season seven, they were really in their stride. The stories were great, the characters were great, the, uh, the 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 special effects and the scenery were much better than before.
1: I can remember getting to the end of All Good Things and
2: actually choking up. Yeah, <laughs> ditto, ditto.
0: I mean, I I um I've I'm I've been rewatching because I this is what I put on Twitter. I responded to you watching them and I said um. Oh yeah, this this one will remind you of of our times or something. It was about it was it was a virus that spread through the ship, wasn't it? And um, but then you said, oh yeah, I'm watching two or three a day. I'm still on season three, so I'm still way behind. I've got a bit (laughs) to go, Um, but luckily I'm hitting a good season now. Finally, yeah. Um, But but I did appreciate season two a little bit more than I did originally. So I've not seen these probably for about twenty five years. I would say. it's been be a while. It doesn't seem like it, <laughs> but, um, but you know, it was one of those things when it was, so, you know, back when it first came out, it was coming out on video and you could hire them from the local video oh, store. Yeah, two and, at a
1: time. <laughs> yeah.
0: And, 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 and you'd, I'd see, I'd watch them and rewatch them and it's like the first 10 episodes I must have seen so many times, but there's so many bad ones in that batch. And then I started buying the videos as well, the VHS tapes. Yeah. Yep. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Did you get a complete collection? I did.
2: No, no, <laughs> I only went for um, episodes that uh, I really enjoyed. So basically, the anything to do with the Borg, um, and and things like that. But I. I uh, all right yeah. I was a
0: fool. I bought them all and I, I threw them away about three years ago because we had our loft done. I had to put them in a skip. Yeah. Like, here they go. You know, all there that time. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I took a picture of them um, from a friend from, from back home in Barnsley and I said, look at this. I've to do this because he just remembered me as this guy buying these tapes, you know. I had the original series on VHS as well yeah. and um, but I, I lost faith with it. I must admit on season two I was losing it and then uh, this guy sent me a copy of Best of Both Worlds um, before it was shown in in the UK. It was some copy that had been recorded off American telly. and we sat down in our first year at uni, and the guys in the in the in the um, shared accommodation, and we sat down and watched it, and we were like, "Okay, this is getting interesting. Maybe we should keep watching for a bit." Um, it totally changed everything, really. I think that episode, and, and yeah. obviously that the ramifications have still been felt with the the Picard series, aren't they?
2: Yes. Yeah.
0: Which was a joy to watch. I don't know about yourselves, how loved you felt it. about that.
2: Absolutely loved it.
1: I I still haven't finished watching it. I'm terrible. Um, oh
0: no! Spoilers. Then we'll keep no, quiet. Mike um,
2: got one thing to say to you. What? Discovery. Discovery? <laughs>
1: <laughs> I've been notorious for not watching Discovery for some reason I, I still don't quite know why I haven't
2: It's brilliant, I love Discovery Really is good Again I
0: was sceptical skeptical about this because I didn't enjoy the films the, the, the reboot films mm. so I was like oh, I'm not, yeah, not too sure but then I thought, do you know what, I've not seen a Star Trek series now for years let's give it a go and was very pleasantly surprised with it And of course, when, you know, I won't give much away, Mike, but you probably know bits that happen. But, you know, to see um, the shift in the first season when they have, uh, do you know much about it? I'm not going to give away spoilers, am I?
1: I've sort of seen the first two thirds of the first season.
0: So do you know about the Mirror Universe?
1: No. Oh,
0: God, sorry. Sorry. (laughs)
1: <laughs> so don't worry, don't worry. I'm going to watch it all eventually.
0: Right. Well, that that's good. I enjoyed that. Yeah. And then season two, obviously, um, I won't go into that either. But that 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 was that was a, 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 a it was it, it was a joy to watch because of the references to the original series and stuff like that. I don't know, Tim. What were your thoughts on?
2: Yeah, my my favourite character of all time um, has got to be. Uh, yeah, Michael. Yeah, Michael.
0: I, 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 I from the animated series <laughs> <laughs> I'm
2: joking. I, I was I remember it um, when I was at school um, senior school um, I was asked uh, to write about my hero and um, I had no heroes at the time I couldn't think of any they said well what about your favourite football player I hate football and I don't <laughs> <laughs> Um, sports person. No, I can't think of anybody. And eventually, the only thing I could think of, actually, were, that was my hero, uh, the person I I wanted to be most like, was Spock.
0: Right. <laughs> Do you know who I would have written about? Yeah, Shatner. Kirk. <laughs> <laughs> <perked> <laughs> yeah. 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 Having rewatched the original series before I went on to Next Gem I'd have, I'd have flipped that now, as I've as I've matured and and grown. I'm less of an action man than I used to be. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah. So uh, I actually um was just reading before we got on. It's the 29th anniversary today of the uh, fifth film, the Final
1: Frontier. I went to see that with my mum. I loved every minute of it, and now I think I'm so ashamed that I loved every minute of it. <laughs>
2: <laughs> <laughs> oh, I like them all especially the motionless picture. The first well, one. I just loved that film. Uh
0: still Do you know what? It's one of the last films I've seen at the cinema, funnily enough. Um they they did a fortieth anniversary ah,
2: <clears throat>
0: showing at the Prince of Charles in, in Leicester Square.
2: Mm.
0: In oh, right. London. Yeah, and I went along thinking there will just be me sat in there. Absolutely packed. Yeah, it was. Yeah, it was all right. Uh, you know,
2: it's was that the special edition version
0: or the um... no, because the right. So I'm getting geeky now. So the special edition version, the extra bits aren't filmed in sixteen mil; they're only for VHS. Ah, yeah. So it's the original cut. Yeah, and it, so, yeah. So yes, it was. Sh- it was. The, it was shown from the from the sixteen mil. So it was. It was scratchy as hell. Uh, but great! It was like you know, you know. I knew what to expect. I wasn't expecting a, a big blockbuster movie. I just knew I'd sit there for hours um, watching them fly through, uh, across Vija.
2: Yeah, yeah. <laughs> and Nothing then, more and was going to happen. And then <laughs> again,
0: and everyone would be staring out at the screen, going, "Oh wow, well, that's pretty." impressive big and yes it was all right
1: <laughs> i was never i was never that much of a fan of the original series but my favorite film was um wrath
2: of Khan. i just love that that's film a corker
1: isn't it yeah yeah
0: absolutely
2: that's from an original story star trek when they that uh, some of their best is when they reference um <clears throat> other previous stories like the mirror universe and it seems to tie in somehow, just a little. Um, yeah.
0: <laughs> well, I, I this is the thing. Uh, you know, the the references in the Picard series, um, right down to the fact that you know you go to um, the Measure of a Man. Yeah. Uh, the episode yeah. from series two has been quite, um, you know, a big part of the Picard series, uh, and I was a little bit disappointed with that.
2: Discovery, the cage.
0: Yes, in season two, yeah, all these sort of things, which is great, and we're probably going to get more of that, aren't we? As we as we go along with the new series, they've they've announced, and so it's it's quite an interesting uh, era now for for Trek, um, you know, just blossoming again and and coming back.
2: Well, they've got they've got quite a few series. Um, obviously, they've got Discovery, Picard. Um, there's the cartoon series, which is... Uh, what's that one? That's the... 100- Lower Decks. Lower Decks, that's it. Um, they've got um, the new one with Pike. Um, what's that one called? I saw what it was called earlier today. Oh, uh, Strange New Worlds. That's it,
1: Strange New One. Good title.
2: Yes. Um, so, yeah, they, they, they really have rebooted... And then there's
0: going to be a Section 31 series as well, isn't there? Apparently so. Yeah, yeah. it's
1: been rumoured for years, I think, but I'm not sure if they're doing that one, are they? Still in the background. Yeah. Oh. yeah.
0: That's one of those I'm not too sure about. It's kind of like, well, yeah.
2: Yeah, I mean, Section 31 is... Um, it, it's it's not the Roddenberry um, Star Trek uh, um, that, that we all... Sort of uh, remember from the original series where uh, everything is is proper and fair and etc. Section thirty one, they do things that are not particularly nice. Um, so to be interesting, it'll be interesting. Yes, yeah. Um, whether popular because of that, I don't know. Just really depends what they do.
0: Uh, and also when they get a chance to film them, I suppose, at the minute, you know, as we go back to the COVID yeah. situation, you know, Picard series two is, uh, is green lit. When will they get to do it? Who knows? And the strange new world. So. what's
2: well, big? they can, they can, they can uh, separate themselves quite a long, long way in space.
0: So. Yeah. Green, green <laughs> screen it all, can't they? Yeah. yeah. Actually, I was reading an article about this. There's going to be a lot of kind of space, Series and um, there's another genre they mentioned because they can green screen it all, so they yeah. can actually just film it all separately and just cobble it all together at the end.
2: Yeah, yeah,
0: it'll still be lacking a bit, won't it? Um, so let's let's think then. So to to wrap up, um, what's your favourite Star Trek series? I have a real
1: soft spot for Deep Space Nine. I don't know why. I just, I it's to me it's. It's slightly darker, but it's still got that hopeful edge that Roddenberry brought in to start with. Um, I think later ones, even Voyager, it it started to get a bit bit darker and it lost some of the,
2: I don't know, the the optimism of Roddenberry. Um, For me, very hard to say. Um, The original series, because of of Spock. Next Gen, because they brought back Star Trek. Deep Space Nine, I didn't watch at all. Um, I, I When it was on, I was uh, very busy with uh, things like getting married and what have you. Um, <laughs> Voyager. Oh, honestly. Yeah. No. <laughs> oh, um, blimey. Voyager. I, I got into Voyager. I like Voyager. There were a lot of great stories in Voyager. Um, and um, the recent ones, I've I have really enjoyed both Picard and Discovery um, yeah they're a bit darker but they I don't know I just really like them. Um, Enterprise i never really got into Enterprise um, I think because of um, the, the captain in it. Um, oh boy
0: <laughs>
2: <laughs> That's a reference isn't it exactly.
0: Yeah Yeah <laughs> Well, uh, Tim, you've got to pick one. Come on, I'm going to make you. Oh,
2: the next, uh, the, the original,
0: the original. The right? Fine. Yeah,
2: exactly.
0: <laughs> it's it's a tough one. I know. Uh, me, I, I uh, yeah, it's it's a t- tough one. But I, I go with Deep Space Nine, I think, as well. But Mike, um, it was always seen as a bit of a runt, you know. It, but but it was the first one to do the story arcs really well. That's true. And...
2: That is true. I have just started watching that. I'm now in season two.
0: Yeah, yeah, and it, it it's it it's good. Um, did uh, did you get into Babylon Five
1: out of interest? Yes,
2: I have them all on uh, DVD. Yeah, Babylon
1: Five was on when I was at university. Um, I, I was, t- for my shame, president of the Star Trek Society. Right, I know. <laughs> so we're allowed to watch Babylon Five.
0: No, oh, we can't.
1: Well, have... We we sort of morphed into the modern science fiction society, so we watched Bab Five as well. Um, I always I always liked Bab Five because you always th- you always felt like it was going somewhere. It it was episodic, but it as it grew, yeah. it got more as a story arc, and then they kind of messed exactly. up season five. But that was well. When- uh,
2: that's what made it different from from um, a lot of Star Trek. I know there was some a little story arc in some of them. Uh, Next Gen, Next Gen, there were sort of a few things, but um, yeah, with Babylon Five, much more of a story arc.
0: Yeah, yeah. Well, I mean, ultimately, the I think there's one part of it where it suddenly kicks in with um, I'm going to pronounce his name wrong now. Is it Stravinsky? J. Oh, Michael, Michael Str- Str- Str-
1: um, Stravinsky.
0: Yeah. yeah where he just writes them all doesn't he then from from one episode of from somewhere in season two or something yeah all the way through with the, with the occasional one or two break towards the end for someone else to probably season five mm. but um that was one again whereas like first season i was like oh this is dreadful really is <laughs> dreadful <laughs> yeah. but then season two it starts to up its game and 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 then all of a sudden the, the shadow um Shadows, isn't it? Yeah, the yeah. Shadows come in.
2: Oh
0: yeah, they're, and they're, it's they're like my favourite in that. Mm. Yeah. I, it's like, wow, plenty <laughs> hell. <laughs> and I'm, I've got to go back and watch those, actually. I got those on DVD as well. I'm the, I'm the same. Have I'm you the been same.
2: watching The Expense?
0: Right, yeah, that's interesting you mentioned that, because I did actually uh, look at that the other day, but I wasn't in the mood to sit down uh, for long and think. <laughs> so... I I should do because I've heard very good things about it.
2: Yeah, you should. You should. It is very. Good. Yeah,
0: pour some time into it. Yeah.
2: Yeah, yeah, definitely. Is
0: it is it going to get me from the start then? Um, does it take a little while to get into it and the characters? Or? It takes
2: a little while. Um, I I I've watched from season one, but then I when when season four, yeah, what well, season four came out on. Um,
0: it's Amazon, isn't it?
2: Uh, on Amazon, yeah. I I started watching from season uh, one again to um, to basically just remind myself. And there was so much that I didn't get on the first um, viewing of it that I got um, from the second viewing, having seen a lot later on, seeing where characters came from. And have you seen Orville? A, a couple, yes, yes. That is very – it's more uh, more original Star Trek and uh, uh, next-gen Star Trek than the modern Star Treks.
0: Didn't they have um, Marina Sirtis in
2: one? Uh, They've had all sorts of Star Trek actors in it. They had one episode where they had um, uh, the two doctors from – was it two? yeah, two characters from two different episodes in the same uh, same same uh, episode. So sorry, two characters from the different Star Trek seasons. Um, yeah, so they've they've they are feeding off the Star Trek sort of
0: uh... and where, where's that available then? Um... Is it on which which channel is it on or is it is it is it web only? Um
2: something It's <laughs> web only no, I think it has been on TV UK, but I, I can't remember where because I've seen it elsewhere <laughs>
0: I'll have to try and track it down do some searching. Yeah. Chaps, yeah. it's been a real pleasure uh, chatting to you um where if people want to get in touch with you uh what what social handles do they do they need to contact you on
1: um I'm at Rakantha. R-E-C-A-N-T-H-A.
2: And I'm on Twitter Twitter and Facebook. You can find me like that. Um, I'm geeky underscore Tim on Twitter. Um, I try and stick to tech stuff, but recently I've been straying a little into um, pol- political stuff. Um, I will try and move away from it again. Once. <laughs>
0: <laughs> yeah. Yeah, I must admit, in the last few weeks, I've I've t- retweeted more political stuff than I would normally do. Yeah, uh, through through sheer anger.
2: Yes, exactly. Uh, Facebook, I rarely do Facebook anymore, um, and I don't really do any of the other social things. I'm uh, Twitter's Twitter's the only real one. Twitter's the
0: thing. Yeah, that's cool. That's cool. Um, yeah, as I say, it's been a real pleasure. It's been nice to. Uh, oh, something's. Uh, Drops upstairs, right. Um it's I <laughs> don't know what that was. <laughs> I'll check it out in a minute. Um yeah, a real pleasure to chat to you and thanks for taking the time out to do it.
2: Thanks for inviting us. Yes, yeah, no problem.